Can the Oscar nominations bring viewers back? Here come the blockbusters, but is it too little, too late? Tomorrow, the Oscar nominations will be announced bright and early for the 96th Academy Awards. It is also the date of the primary in New Hampshire. It's hard not to connect these two things. The Oscars are now fully merged with the Democratic Party as one organism. Same reason Trump is making them sweat the polls is why people are tuning out the Oscars. The movie that won't be announced tomorrow is The Sound of Freedom, which landed in the top 10 box office of the year, beating both Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. To Hollywood and the Oscars, however, it is as though it never happened at all. Here's David Mamet, one of the greatest writers Hollywood ever employed on this film. Called Sound of Freedom. Did you see it? That was the right-wing movie, which everyone was going so hysterical about for a while. The question is, why is it a right-wing movie? Hence the, Can you the, the quote marks. I suppose because it was a Christian-funded movie, one that had, you could call it, family values at the heart. I don't really know beyond that what their reasoning was for giving it that label exactly. So here's the thing, you know, ancient wisdom is look at what your adversary is trying to frighten you with. That's what he fears. So why is this a right-wing movie? It's a right out of the box, really good, traditional, they've stolen, I'm a cop and they've stolen this kid, I need to get him back. There's nothing right-wing about it, except that the, Christ, the, the, the Christian people put up the money for it. God bless them. I just met with the guy who produced it, maybe yesterday. It cost $20 million to make it, made half a billion dollars, half a billion dollars, because A, it's a good movie, and because the Christians and the conservatives are sick to death of people saying, eat this garbage or else. The important thing for me is the, the signal thing is that someone has to call it a right-wing movie. What the hell does that mean? Like, I got a friend who's a stunt coordinator, right? A very, very important a position in the movies, right? You have to work real hard. Started as a stunt man, stunt woman, blah, blah. He's a stunt coordinator. And he's black. And someone said, you know, it's really great to see a black stunt coordinator. And he said, what's a black stunt? <laughs> you have right? to fall off so a building in a certain it, way, I guess. So any, any, any uh, outlet that says, oh, it's a right-wing movie, hmm. what is it that they don't like? They don't like individuality. They don't like Christians. I think that probably on the part of the tabloid or the mainstream press underestimates the audience. They tend to be slightly more discerning than given credit for. Critics have always been a bunch of brainless whores. That's what they are. And in the old days, they were, um, what, what did they get out of it? People used to say, what do you need to be a theater critic? A lack of sufficient talent to write about sports. Right. So this was the this was the bottom of the bottom of the rung. So one of the two things that they got to do was ruin a play. And they liked it. Right. It's great. You know, there they are. They were a terrible job. They all hated the theater. They had to go every night looking at garbage. One of the things that they got to do was ruin a play. Now, there is now they're as important as the playwright. They're more powerful than the playwright. The other thing they got to do was be bribed. Whether they were bribed with money, of course, some of them were, or whether they were bribed with, oh, please come and talk to our group. We're going up to the Adirondacks, and we'd like you to talk blah, 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 and have sex with some of the young people. And they used to do that in the movies, too. They used to take all the critics and say, well, we're going to the Venice Film Festival. We'd like you 10 people to come. 
We're having a private plane. We're going to put you over to Cipriani. Everything's on the house. You see anything in the gift store you like, a gold Rolex, please, blah, blah, blah. They were, right? It's, it's, it's a phony baloney business, right? The movies have always been about putting images up on a bed sheet and selling popcorn, right? The whole idea that there's any phobity or sagacity in the movies is nonsense. There were a few, there were a few magnificent works of art made in a hundred years and a whole bunch of really good movies and a lot of crap. It did strike me as a, as a strange irony that the creative industry has chosen the movies, which is such a famously seedy business, to become the new kind of place to morally arbitrate or to give sermons, because it's a strange pulpit from which to give a sermon. <laughs> they, can't, they can't tell a story. Uh, because they, who, who, who are these people who come out of film school? You know what film school is? It's warehousing. You learn nothing in film school. You don't know any old thing about it. Make them. The only thing that it, it fits you to do is to be uh, an executive, right? Which is to say somebody who doesn't know anything. The success of Sound of Freedom is a cautionary tale that the counterculture revolution is nearly upon us. It signals the same thing as a potential Trump win. A shift in the public consciousness as the people who have been abandoned rise up and demand equal representation at the box office and at the White House. Both the downfall of the Democratic Party in Hollywood are hard to watch as they have shaped most of my adult life. Movies used to be so good. Even the bad ones seem like masterpieces now. Great movies winning awards is a thing of the past as dogma and propaganda have overtaken free expression. The hope is that Barbenheimer can save the Oscars as it briefly saved the box office before the actors and writers went on strike, bringing the whole thing to its knees again. Maybe they hope the ratings won't be terrible, thanks to two very popular movies. Maybe they'll be right. Hiring Jimmy Kimmel as the host is not a great sign. Why would anyone tune in if they won't even tune in to his late-night comedy? For podcast listeners, a chart of ratings showing a steep decline starting in 2016 when Trump won all the way down to the worst 2021, and by 2023, they rose slightly. As this chart indicates, they did better with Kimmel than with no host. At least they made that decision, which was smart. It's easy to see how Trump's win led to their inevitable collapse. When you treat half the country like terrorists, this is the end result. It wasn't just Trump supporters who tuned out, though. It was anyone who didn't want to listen to the agonizing therapy sessions award shows have become. The bigger problems of the Oscars are now used as yet another propaganda arm for the Democratic Party. They believe that if someone can win an award on national television, they can get on their soapbox and give a rousing speech as Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lopez cheer them on. The short film categories are particularly dire this year. Most people don't pay attention to these, but usually they are some of the best offerings worldwide. Now, many of them reflect the ideology and religion of the new left, because of course they do. They have to. Everything is politics. Take, for example, the terrible documentary short called The ABCs of Book Banning. If it somehow misses tomorrow, that would mean the voters thought it was as phony as I did. Dragging out these poor kids to spout the gobbledygook of the woke, but I fear it will not only be nominated, but probably win. And someone will get on stage 
and make a truly terrible speech and move the needle for the Democrats heading into an election year. But the poor kids are being used as pawns in this sick little game. They sound like kidnapped hostages or children of cult members. I read at a ninth grade level. I like getting books from our library, which we can't do right now. We really can't find one that we like because either we've read it a million times or it's just too easy for us. They're having the um, family volunteers come and like take out so that they can mm -hmm. review the book. The first day, I got so mad I didn't talk at lunch, remember? Yes. <laughs> yes, I remember that vividly. The first thing I did is went to my third grade reading teacher. She Art loved Ar her Ar books. Ar I had to um, help take away a lot of the books. They pulled like all the like award-winning books yeah. and you can look at a shelf and they've left us with Junie B. Jones, which personally yeah. is a second grade level book yeah. for me. I like mystery and black history. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book stamped right now mm -hmm. and I'm really into it because I read it every single night. A lot of the black history books are being yeah. pulled. Yeah. I don't know if we have any OBGCQ books in our thing, but if we did, they would be taking them away. Why take away all these excellent books? It's like you're trying to slow down children's reading. Why do that? We want to read above our grade. I hope that they see this and are like, these are a bunch of 10-year-olds. Hello, I'm Justin Richardson. And I'm Peter Parnell. And uh, this is our book. other and even though they had their differences from the other penguins they could still have a child take care of it they could do what they could do pretty much everything but lay an egg i just don't understand because it's they're still people they're still human it's not like they turn into a werewolf once they're gay or lesbian or trans. It's about these two boy penguins and they're just like, they, they decided that they loved each other. It's, it's like, why would you get rid of this book if like people can't be who they all want to be? They think it was weird that like two boys can like love each other and they thought maybe that shouldn't be able to happen. So they probably banned it because of that. I heard that they're banning things like LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, queer. And um, that's something that um, a bunch of people are one of those things. And they, so maybe their best friend is, say, um, transgender, but they don't know about that. So they don't know how to approach it in the best way and say you want to be transgender, but you know that it's, um, it's a, it's a bad thing where you grow up. So you're afraid to express who you really are. And I've 
and so you're hiding like a huge part of yourself and it's like the world knows less than half of you so we are gonna jump right into our book and we're gonna start with our hips the hips on the drive queen go swish 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 Swish, swish, swish. The shoes on the drag queen go stomp, stomp, stomp all through the town. Everyone deserves to have these beautiful books to read to learn. I like also learning about stuff so I can get smarter for every time like I need to know stuff about stuff. Like I just like being imaginative and also I like learning. Babies are taught to be racist or anti-racist. There's no neutrality. My name is Maya Kobabe. I am the author of Gender Queer, a memoir, which is one of the most challenged books in the United States right now. Gender Queer is the story of my life starting at about age two until I turn around 28. Pedro Almodovar and Wes Anderson have directed live action shorts that might get in, with stars like Ethan Hawke, Ray Fiennes, and David Oyolo crowding out what is usually a category for up and comers. This is another sign that the film industry is in trouble. Actors and directors are going back to making shorts. Just like the Democratic Party will have to learn its lessons the hard way, so too will Hollywood have to go nearly bankrupt before it remembers why it built an industry in the first place, to serve people. It was the best way to escape the misery of everyday life, to disappear into the movie theater and slip into another world. It was my salvation as a kid. Well, that's gone now. Movies are no longer a relief. They're an exhausting drag much of the time. We can see the strings. We know what they're doing and that they don't care about us anymore. Either they serve up badly written franchise junk or they're trying to fix us and turn us into them. They don't seem capable anymore of caring about the box office enough to care about the people who really do crave a good story like the many who turned out to see Sound of Freedom. Thankfully, there are some movies up for the Oscars that will be nominated tomorrow that are actually good. One is Oppenheimer, the frontrunner. The other is The Holdovers, the underdog. Another is American Fiction, which calls out the woke-topians in the best way. There's also Barbie, which has become a cultural phenomenon. Otherwise, though, much of what is on offer is about reflecting the ideology of the new left. This is especially true with Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which sacrifices the plot of the great book about the first case that formed the FBI into a long apology for our barbaric and genocidal past. Killers of the Flower Moon isn't entirely a bad movie, but it is almost four hours long and feels like it would have been a great miniseries on, say, Apple TV. Oppenheimer predicted to land 10 to 12, but won't sweep. Most people don't know that the Academy expanded their Best Picture ballot in 2008 from 5 to 10, 
because why would they? Most have long since tuned out what happens in the Oscar race, except for obsessives like me. It all goes back to Christopher Nolan, whose film The Dark Knight missed out on a nomination, generating so much controversy that they felt they had no choice but to expand to 10 nominees. In so doing, however, they must now use a ranked choice ballot to find the winner. We haven't had Oscar sweeps since then. Last year's winner broke the record with eight. If Oppenheimer can match that total, it will be considered a sweep, even if it probably would have won 10 to 12 back in the day. Oppenheimer might not even win Best Picture at all. The pattern lately is that the sweeping epics don't win, but the smaller character dramas do. Gravity lost to 12 Years a Slave. La La Land lost to Moonlight. Roma lost to Green Book. If Oppenheimer is to lose, it looks like the movie that could do it is The Holdovers, easily one of the year's best films. What makes this movie great is that it is a holdover from the days when Hollywood made movies to give something back to audiences. I won't complain if The Holdovers wins. Everyone should see this movie and remember what storytelling used to be like. But for Hollywood and the Oscars, Oppenheimer is the better bet. A win for a three-hour R-rated movie about a scientist that made $300 million here and nearly a billion internationally would show audiences that Hollywood still cares about them and that the Oscars are back. You can find my full Oscar predictions on HollywoodWokeTopia.com. Thanks for listening, and hope you have a wonderful week. <laughs>